Hey everybody, my name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at Trinity. And once again, we are so thankful to have you join us. We know that people are watching in homes and in watch groups and both here in Atlanta and further abroad. And we're just so thankful that you're here and that you choose to continue worshiping with us. Uh, we know that the church is meant to be a big body and yet right now we're a scattered body and so we just want to speak a word of encouragement to you as the church scattered to continue pursuing the lord continue worshiping together and pursuing relationships um, if you have your bibles open to mark chapter one we're going to read from the bible and then jump in and see what we can see in the word today our our text today is beginning in verse um, 14 and moving uh, on through verse 20. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray, and then let's see what we can see in the scripture today. Father, we pray that you would give us wisdom and, frankly, peace as we sit in your word, as we try to ask questions around what this text means for us, what it says about you. And so, Lord, I pray now for your grace and your mercy to be with us, Lord, as we try to think deep and true thoughts about the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So there are a few things in this passage that I think would be really, really important for us to sit with. And we're just going to walk through the text as we typically do and name them one at a time so that you can have some points of reflection or meditation. Here's the first one. It's very important for us to note that Jesus's work begins in the midst of a very difficult time. It's important for us to see this because we're all facing a lot of difficulty right now. It feels like all of us are, are probably struggling with uh, conflict and difficulty on multiple fronts. And for me, I take heart at the fact that Jesus here at the very beginning of his ministry is engaging that ministry at a time of challenge and difficulty. See, I believe that the two being related John the baptizer preparing the way for Jesus. John's arrest connected to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This idea that even Jesus' forerunner, his closest ally, is in trouble, is in prison now. And Jesus begins his ministry. Tell us that it was in an environment of difficulty that Jesus first began to speak out and lead. That he began to minister. Here's another thing that I think would be helpful for all of us to know. Mark's gospel, the gospel that we're reading from today, uh, hit the streets of Rome in the 60s AD, sort of um, 30 years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And at the time that people in the church would have first read these words, they were suffering under immense persecution. And so I want you to think for a moment how hearing about John's arrest and Jesus's ministry, him starting to call people to follow him in the midst of difficulty, how that would have landed in their own hearts. People were being fed to lions. People were being tortured and persecuted. This was not an easy time to be a Christian. And yet they read these words where Jesus says, come and follow me. 
I believe that for us right now, in the midst of difficulty and uncertainty, Jesus looks at us and says, I know life is hard. Come and follow me. What was true here is also true today. The second thing I think we need to take note of is this, and I I noted this last week in our sermon, but I'm going to say it again because the text invites us to. Jesus spends a lot of time in Galilee. Galilee, not Jerusalem. In a little town, not a big city. Jesus seems to do most of his work in little backwater places and out-of-the-way places. And I just want to stop here and ask you this question. What does it mean for you and for me that Jesus does most of his ministry, most of his flourishing in little out-of-the-way places? I think it means that rather than spending our life distractedly or anxiously waiting for some big stage or some big moment for God to do some big thing that we need to see Jesus's work in the Galilees of our lives the little out of the way places in our life so what does the routine and the mundane and the ordinary look like for you can you find God there can you find Jesus there I believe he wants us to be able to answer yes but y'all if we don't stop and pay attention we'll miss the Galilee moments for some reason Our Savior likes to hang out in insignificant or seemingly insignificant spaces. So where are the insignificant spaces in your life where God might be hanging out? I believe he wants us to be attentive so that we might notice those places. Well, in Jesus's ministry, he has a message. And the third thing we see in this passage is this. He calls us, you and me, and those ancient friends to repent and believe. That's the third movement in this passage. Here's what he actually says. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. See, that's about as loaded a sentence as you're ever going to hear. And I'd like to kind of break it down phrase by phrase. The time is fulfilled. It's like he's saying it's now time. It's pregnant time. It's full time. And I would say that God's work in your life and mine is, is meant to happen now. It's meant to happen right here, right now. That's what Jesus was saying. Now is the fullness of time. Now is the time to see that God is working. The second thing that he says is the kingdom has come near. And we know what kingdom means. In the Bible, kingdom is shorthand for the reign and rule of God. He's saying now is the time for God to do something. Now is the time for God's life to come close to your life. And then the third thing he says is repent and believe. And I think N.T. Wright says this the best. He says that that idea of repent and believe rather than being like a one-time thing you do in church is an ongoing thing. And N.T. Wright, the scholar, Bishop of Durham, now a scholar at Oxford, he says this. That means essentially give up your agenda and take up Jesus's agenda. So what is Jesus saying? If you strip down and all the religious language, if you get past all the religious language about time and the kingdom and repent and believe, what he's really saying is now is the time for God to come close and you need to let go of your agenda and pick up his agenda. That's the message that Jesus came to bring. Now is the time for God to come close. You must let go of your agenda and pick up his agenda. It's as simple as that. I believe that that's the invitation for each and every one of us. So don't be distracted by the word repent. Don't think that that just means to feel shame or believe just means something you did at an altar when you were a kid at camp or at a church a couple of months ago or at Alpha. This is a lifestyle 
of recognizing that now is the moment that God is coming close and that you've got to let go of something in order to pick up something. So what does Jesus say to these friends? He says, the fourth movement, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And I love this because the first action, the first thing Jesus says to these people is, I want you to follow me together and I'm going to invite you to do something. But it's interesting that he doesn't say, follow me and I will make you carpenters of a new house. He could have said that. He was a carpenter. Jesus was apprenticed as a carpenter. So it's telling that he meets them in the midst of their vocation. He enters into their ordinary space. These were all um, generational fishermen. These men were not actually struggling. Josephus, who's a, a historian at the time of Jesus, said that the area of Galilee was a great place for fish. The fish in the Sea of Galilee were legendary. People would procure these fish from other nations. And so these guys were not struggling in their job. They were actually probably quite successful. They had servants. They had staffs working for them. They were doing a good job. So Jesus doesn't say, leave the thing you're failing at and do something else. He enters into their vocation, which was probably going very well. And he says, I want to transform the way you understand your skill set. And y'all, I believe that that's really important. We shouldn't be distracted by fishermen of men and think, well, we've got to all somehow become fishermen. Jesus was speaking contextually to these people who had this job. And he was saying, I want to redeem your understanding of your own vocation and your own skill set. And I believe he wants to do the same thing for you. So to you, he might say, follow me and I will make you an accountant for the kingdom or follow me and I will make you a painter of men, someone who would do what you do, but do it for a greater purpose. Follow me and I will make you a leader, an influencer. Follow me and I will make you a nurse. I will make you a servant. I will make you a leader. I will make you whatever it is that you do. Jesus wants to enter into that routine, that ordinary and redeem it. For the sake of others. And so he calls to these people and he basically says to them, I want to come to you in the midst of your lived experience and I want to help you be someone who doesn't just live for yourself but lives for other people. And I think that's what he wants to say to you and to me and every one of us listening to these words. But the question is, do you believe that? And I think the further question is, can you be present enough in your life to actually pay attention if God is trying to redeem your skill set? your vocation, your gifting, and use it for something greater than just making money. So that's what he does for these people. And this is where I want to leave it. He then looks at these leaders and he says, we're going to learn to fish together. The Greek wording in this passage is really more a process. It's Jesus saying, I will make you become fishers of men and women. I will make you learn how to do something that you already have some gifting to do but need a new understanding and an imagination. And he calls them to do it together. And I love the fact that here we see four named people learning to walk together. And what that tells me is that whatever your gifting, whatever your vocation, whatever it is that Jesus would call you if he called you to be whatever the equivalent of a fisher of men and women would be, he wants you to do that, not in isolation, but together. But y'all, we have a real challenge on our hands. And I'm gonna be as, as blunt and honest as I know how to be right now. I believe that 2020 was a revealer of what was 
And some of you listening to me today, it has been revealed to you through the relative isolation of this season that you don't have strong connections in your life. And that's painful. See, we're called to walk with others. And many of us, before the pandemic hit, were so busy and so distracted that we just didn't have time for life-giving relationships. So the kind of relationships that would make us better people. And now we're flailing. And sometimes when we flail, we think, well, if only a pastor would fix this for me, or if only so-and-so would drive by my house or call me or make this better, or if only I could just read the right book and get the right words, I would be fine. And yet, I just want to say to you, the only way that we make it through seasons of difficulty is to walk together with people who will make us better. Jesus calls four named people and says you need one another in order to be what I've called you to be. You cannot become a redeemed vocational gift-using person on your own. And like it or not, we are living in a place where it no longer works to come to church on a Sunday, see a bunch of people, and get your shot in the arm that gets you through the week. And many of us feel really bitter about that angry even. But in all that disorientation, I see an invitation. I see an opportunity for us to say, how might I reposition my life in order to have meaningful relationships? And to that end, if you don't have those relationships, we want to help you. We believe groups are the way that we're going to get through this and not only get through this, but groups are the way that we're going to live our lives in a flourishing manner after the pandemic. Neighborhood groups at Trinity are the primary way that we're going to do this. We currently have over 400 people in our neighborhood groups, and it's my deep conviction that that number must grow, double even, if we're going to be the kind of church that we're meant to be, because you need people. You don't actually need pastors only. You need people who will walk beside you. One of my heroes uh, John Wimber, he was the founder of the vineyard. He's now dead and, and with the Lord. Um, he's he's uh, a smart and funny guy, and I'm sure he still is in heaven. He certainly was when he was walking the earth before his death. He once told a story about his church in California, and he said there was a member uh, in the church who called the church office like 20 times over the weekend because he had a neighbor who was also in the church who was going through a hard time. And he kept leaving messages saying, I need a pastor to call me. We got to fix this problem. And nobody answered because it was, it was a, a day when the office was shut. And so he went and he actually took care of the need. He met the need himself. And then he stormed up to the pastor on Sunday and he said to John Wimber, he said, I tried to call the church and nobody answered. So I had to go and engage the need myself. And he was really annoyed. And Wimber looked at him and smiled and he said, well, it sounds like the church did show up and do what it was supposed to do. See, we live in an era where we think that we need someone smarter or better or more pristine than us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But y'all, the hands and feet of Jesus are meant to have dirt on them and calluses on them. They're meant to be hands like your hands. But if we're not connected to one another, then we don't recognize the gift that we all bring to one another. I believe the Lord is calling us to a kind of costly relational connectivity that will remind us that we're the body of Christ. And you need to do that. So do I. This is for all of us. My hope is that that number 400 will become 800 or more in the weeks and months ahead. All you have to do is go to our website if you don't have an existing group of friends to do this with. And just sign up 
And Addie and Brad will pair you with 10 people in your community and will meet in socially distanced, safe ways with masks on or outside or whatever works for your group. And you will find the opportunity to find friendship and community and we all need it. So please take a step. I wanna leave you with these questions and then we're gonna pray and come to communion. But first we're gonna, we're gonna reflect and you may wanna hit pause and turn to your groups if you're watching together as a group. And if you're on your own, this is an opportunity to journal, to think through it. But here's some points of reflection. Number one, what does it mean for you that Jesus' work began during a time of adversity? What might that mean for you if you're facing adversity now? Let's reflect on that, talk about it. Number two, how does the phrase give up your agenda and take up my agenda land with you right now? Because that's Jesus' word. How might Jesus' agenda for our lives be distinct from what we're currently embodying? I think it would be really good for us to think about what does it mean for me to let go of my agenda to pick up another one? And finally, think about who you're meant to be walking alongside in Christian community right now. What does it look like for you, regardless of your circumstance, to pursue relationships with greater intentionality? That's the opportunity in front of each and every one of us. In a moment, we're going to come to communion. And we're still giving communion kits out here Monday through Friday. So if you uh, are not coming to our in-person church services, this is a great opportunity for you um, during the week to come pick up communion so that you can receive communion either with your friends or your family or on your own. We're here during the week, so reach out to us. We'd love to give you those kits. But as we prepare and quiet our hearts to receive communion if we're in that space, I want to say this to you. If this is your church, we would invite you to think about what it looks like to give and support our mission. There's information on our website. It's very simple to do so. But if you're checking us out from another city or another state or Atlanta and you're just curious, please don't give and do anything to contribute to our mission. We're just so glad you're here. You're just welcome to be with us today. We're gonna conclude by praying the words of the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray together as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. If you're in a group with communion elements, you can receive communion. Otherwise, go in peace and serve the Lord today. Amen.